Good to see you today. If you have your bulletin, I want to encourage you to get out your sermon notes. As always, I encourage you to fill in the blanks there. Always good to have a piece of paper. If God gives you something, always worth jotting it down. So today we're going to take up an offering again. I say dollar offerings, whatever we put in. the. There's a wooden box back there for the Kibben family. And so if Kevin and Kelly are watching, we love you guys. And so anyway, if that something Lord lays on your heart, you can drop that in the back. By the way, he is making some progress, so we got a picture of him. He actually got to sit up for the first time. And so again, long road to recovery, but we want to continue to remember them every day. All right? So just want to remind you guys, I did last week, you know, one of the ways that you can participate in outreach if you're on Facebook is just simply hitting that share at the bottom right. We actually got a message back this week from a gentleman named Ron. Ron has been homebound for a while, and somebody shared it. He was able to watch the service, and he just wrote the nicest letter just saying he appreciated it. And so I just want to say it's amazing how everybody can be a part of outreach just simply by touching that share and sending it out. So I don't know who sent it to Ryan. I don't know how it got there, but we appreciate those who are taking time uh, to do that. And so we're continuing our series on Sunday morning on the advantage of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. Because again, God had a better plan than walking side by side with man. God ultimately wanted to come and take up residence in our life. Several symbols in the Bible for the Holy Spirit, which we've talked about. Sometimes he's pictured as water, wind, dove, oil, fire. All of these give us some aspect about the nature of the Holy Spirit. And so it's always worth just looking into that and tapping in to all that strength. Before we kind of go on with the Holy Spirit, I want to kind of back up as we were studying the book of Hebrews. I guess I never realized how important Hebrews was to studying the Holy Spirit. There's a book of Hebrews, if you remember, comparing the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And over and over in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, in the Old Covenant, man could never, ever come close to God because of the sin problem. Even though there were hundreds and thousands of sacrifices, that sin problem always kept man at a distance. But when Jesus came and died, and the writer of Hebrews says that he only died once, his one death did what the thousands and thousands of animal sacrifices could never do, and that was to pay the sin penalty. I just want to remind you that when the sin penalty is paid, even though we're a work in progress, we have accessibility to God. And so when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, I believe in essence God said, paid in full. The sin penalty that was never taken care of in the old covenant was taken care of by that one sacrifice. And now you and I have 100% accessibility to God because of that one sacrifice. Not only that, not only does God allow us to come into his presence, but he is sending his spirit to come and live inside of us because of that death. Because he took care of the sin problem, God ultimately wanted to come and take up residence in these earth suits. That's really crazy. I just want to tell you, God loves you so much. I don't want you to ever think that your performance is dependent upon whether or not God wants you in his presence. The reason we can go into God's presence is because the sin problem was taken care of by Jesus 
on the cross. So when he died, the Bible says, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And when man was always at a distance under the old covenant, because of that death, now the Bible says we should draw boldly into his presence. So we can boldly come into the presence of God. He wants to come and take up residence in our life, not because of who we are, not because of our performance, but because of that one sacrifice, the importance of that sacrifice. So the verse we've been kind of springboarding from as we're studying the Holy Spirit, body, soul, and spirit, here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Would you read with me? Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Now there are many ways to picture body, soul, and spirit. I love looking at the different ones. You guys have given me your ideas. I appreciate all the input. I really do. And some of you don't even always agree with me. I don't understand, but I appreciate you sharing. I want to get everything I can as I study the Bible. But I think God made us up to have a spirit, a soul, that soul I look at as our control room, our mind, our emotions, our will, but we also have a body. Our body is connected to the earth. We have an earth suit. As long as we're on earth, gotta have an earth suit. But I again want to remind you, can't take your earth suit to heaven. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we can't take our, our uh, earth suit with us. Now, some people say to me they, ha they have a hard time distinguishing between spirit and soul. And some people believe they're one and the same thing. And, I, and it is sometimes difficult to separate soul and spirit because they're part of our inward man. But I love how Hebrews 4.12 reminds us the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. I think the Word of God helps us to distinguish between soul and spirit. But again, it's a wonderful study to find out how God created us because God created us, I believe, as a three-part individual, spirit, soul, body, because he's a trinity as well. We are created in his image. And so I would remind you, if God comes to live in our heart, and we often say to children, invite Jesus into your heart, what he technically, I believe the more correct term is, he comes into our spirit. So when God's spirit comes into our spirit, that part of us is complete. And I think you would agree, wherever you believe God lives in your life, that part of you has to be complete because it's God. So the Bible says his spirit and our spirit become one spirit, so one-third of you is already perfect. That third of that spirit, if his spirit lives in your spirit, that part of you is perfect. Our soul here is a work in progress. Our mind, our emotions, our decision-making, from the moment you get saved, God has the purpose of making you into the image of Jesus. And so I believe your soul is a lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. You never, ever arrive on this side. I mean, it's always something you're working on. How many of you with gray hair would nod and agree? Always something you're working on, no matter how long we live. So the soul is in the process of becoming like Jesus. Our earth suit is wearing out. The Bible says we came from dust, we're going back to dust. And so the earth suit is eventually wearing out. One day it'll be resurrected. We'll be getting a new spiritual body to be reunited to our spirit. But right now the earth suit is wearing out. Our soul is in the process of becoming more like Jesus, but our spirit is 100% perfect. So again, I just want to tell you, one third of you is perfect. It's the other two thirds that people have problems with, all right? So it's the part that we're a work in 
progress, very important. So I mentioned Kai here, and again, I just want to picture Kai. I, I picture him as a lost person, that he's separated from God because of sin. Sin always separates us from God, and I believe the Bible says that those who are not believers have a dead spirit. It doesn't mean they're dead physically, but they're dead in the sense that they're separated from God. So if Kai believes that Jesus died for him, Kai asked Jesus to forgive him and to come into his life, I believe that he comes into his spirit. So God's spirit comes into Kai's spirit and literally becomes one with him. And so this is a picture of salvation. Jesus sends his spirit to come and live inside of Kai. And again, I want to mention, as I did last week, how many of you think the Holy Spirit looks like Jesus? Very important. Now, whether or not you like the picture of Jesus, I'm not a big person on pictures of Jesus. I just want you to see that the Holy Spirit looks exactly like Jesus because the Holy Spirit is God. So is it correct to say we invite Jesus into our life or do we invite his spirit into our life? I would say yes. If you have his spirit, you have him. So his spirit comes to live inside of us. I have the eye up here, which I didn't explain the first Sunday, but the eye represents how God sees us. I just want to remind you, I believe God always sees us in the spirit realm. That's why we can go to God 24-7, whether we've had a good day or a bad day, because in the spirit realm, we have a right relationship with God, not based on our performance, but be based on the fact that Jesus died and took care of the sin problem. So this is a slide I'm working on. You guys can help me with your thoughts. So the world out here, there's people watching us all over the place, and people judge us from the earth suit in. How many of you have ever been criticized or made fun of when you were growing up? You know, kids are brutal, aren't they? Kids are brutal how they can make fun of us, but sometimes the world looks at us from the outside in, and sometimes they look at our soul, some of our thoughts and some of our decisions, and so the world is constantly judging us, and the world out there is crazy. If you're trying to perform and to live up to everything out here, you will stress out. Because the world out here is never satisfied with what they see. But God always sees us from the spirit realm. And so God's view of us is totally different than the world. God sees us as a royal priest. God sees us as his child. God sees us as an overcomer, just in the sight of God, holy, righteous, redeemed. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. How many of you get up on Monday morning feeling like more than a conqueror? I feel like I've been conquered on Monday morning. I mean, I feel like I've been run over by life. But the Bible says as God looks in his spirit, he sees you as his child. I want you to know God could not have a higher opinion of you. I know we, we judge ourselves based on our performance and we're always, you know, most Christians I run into have a poor self-image. Because they're judging themselves based on their earth suit wearing out, and the soul is a continual work in progress, and sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves, we forget how God sees us. Now let me ask you, if God sees you as an overcomer, are you an overcomer? If God sees you as a right-standing relationship with God, do you have a right-standing relationship with God? I mean, if God says it, it's true whether you feel it or not. Wouldn't it be great if we could begin to say about ourselves? what he says about us.
Because God has a high opinion. Because God sees you in the spirit realm and the sin problem has been taken care of so he doesn't see all the mess. And even though we are a work in progress, God knows that, we still can go to God no matter where we are in the process, 24 hours a day, we can come boldly into God's presence, not based on our performance, but based on the sacrifice that Jesus died for us. You guys are something special. You guys really are important to God. All right, so that we've had this saying, as I mentioned last week, you got to hear it 10 times before you get it. This is five. This is five. All right, we're halfway there. We're halfway there. Let's all say it together. Closer to God, I cannot be, for in the Spirit, I am as close as He. If God's Spirit lives in you, how much closer to God can you get? I mean, you literally are one with God. That's why, again, in Ephesians 1, Paul says, we are seated in the heavenlies. That makes no sense to me in the natural realm. But the reason we're seated in the heavenlies, even though our earth suit is on earth, your spirit is one with God's spirit. That's why in the spirit realm, you are seated in the heavenlies. Your spirit is as close to God as it possibly can be, all right? Love that saying. And so the Bible reminds us, again in Romans, that we are justified in the sight of God. Bible's also declared us righteous. And very simply, again, saying justified means just as if I had never sinned. We have a right-standing relationship with God. It's not based on our soul. It's a work in progress, not based on the earth suit that's wearing out. But if you've applied Jesus and asked Jesus into your life, that one sacrifice has forever put you in a right-standing relationship with God. I want to tell you, in God's eyes, you have cloud in heaven. You are somebody in God's sight, not based on the church you go to, the denomination. It's not based on your performance. But if you have Christ in your life, you have a right standing relationship. God sees you in the spirit realm. It will change your life and it will change how you see yourself if you'll begin to believe what God says about you is true. So last week we talked a little bit about average Joe, which is average Christian. I could say average Roger. But how many of you know, how many of your days and weeks all have different days? Isn't it crazy how we can be on the mountain one day, the next day be discouraged? Well, this last week, Joe was uh, sick a couple days. And I tell you, when I'm sick, I'm just kind of pathetic. And this may not be right. I probably shouldn't say this, but most guys are not good sufferers. Most of us guys are wimps. We can't take pain. We need to be babied. But women are a lot tougher. Women are a lot tougher. But he was sick a couple days. One day he was up on the mountain, man, everything was going good, man. He was just feeling good. And then he lost his best friend, so he was kind of down and discouraged. Let me ask you, whether he's having a good day or bad day, whether he's sick or healthy, which day of the week is he more in a right-standing relationship with God? All the same. You see, it isn't based on circumstances. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on your performance. If you're truly born again, if you have God living in you, I want to tell you, you have a right standing relationship every single day, whether you feel it or not. And it will change your life when you realize that you going to God is not based on your performance. That's why we go in Jesus' name. We always pray in Jesus' name because we're going to God by the sacrifice that Jesus gave us. And so last week we looked at a promise. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit 
as the promise of the Father. That's really important. I would have always assumed the promise of the Father was Jesus. And without Jesus, there could be no Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, ultimately, the promise of the Father was not just for God to come and walk alongside of man, but God wanted to come and live inside of man. I just want to tell you, God wants you to enjoy him. God wants you to get to know him so much that he's allowed his spirit that knows everything about him to come and live inside of us. So last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul said, by the way, this is one of the great chapters in the Bible on the Holy Spirit. Paul said the Holy Spirit provides unlimited wisdom, unlimited truth, unlimited resources, unlimited power, unlimited revelation. Literally, if you have the Spirit of God, you have the mind of Christ. You say, why do I get excited about talking about the Holy Spirit? Because he's the part of God that lives inside of you. He's the part of God that will reveal God to you. He's the part of God that wants to energize your life and flow through you every single day. So this morning we're going to look at grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve and to quench the Holy Spirit? I want to start with a couple examples here. I want to start with my most important example ever in life, my wife. And uh, this was taken about a month ago. I think I shared it in one of my uh, services. This was down by the riverfront in Washington. How many of you think she looks like a happy wife? Whether you do or not, nod right there, nod right there. All right, so obviously the goal is happy wife, happy life. How many of you know that? All right, so what would you do if you found out something about me you didn't know? What if you found out that there are times that I don't want to take Brenda with me? There's times I'm kind of embarrassed to take her with me. I don't want her to always go where I, I want to go. So I, I leave her at home sometimes. Sometimes I make fun of her out in public. And it makes her sad. How many of you feeling a little bit angry toward me? You guys look mad. Now, by the way, I just want to tell you this. She posed for that picture. She was in on but. And what if I also told you there were times that I duct taped her mouth because I didn't want to hear from her. <laughs> How many of you have ever wanted to duct tape your spouse's mouth? Hey, that was wise to not raise your hand. Wise, wise move, wise move. So anyway, what if you found out I duct taped her mouth and I, and I tied her, because I just didn't want her, I, I just didn't want her to always interject into the conversation. Now, so obviously, if you saw her in tears and saw her sad because I was mistreating her, I was a, uh, kind of ashamed of her, I would go around and talk about other girlfriends in front of her that I used to have, I don't have now, I won't go on record say. <laughs> or if you found me that I duct taped her mouth, let me ask you, how would you guys feel about me? You guys are being very unchristian right now. <laughs> you ought to be upset. You would, you would hopefully be very bothered. Now, the reason I use that is because I want you to identify that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, if we grieve and quench the Spirit, He gets sad. We try to silence the Holy Spirit in our life. The same feelings you had toward my wife, I just want to tell you, God lives inside of us. And so we're going to talk about grieving and quenching. One other illustration to help us understand, uh, how many of you would love to have a Rolls Royce? You guys are so humble. You're just so humble. What if somebody gave you a Rolls Royce? Even if you didn't want it, you could give it to the preacher. Give it to the preacher. 
All right? And so, anyway, a Rolls Royce, so I got kind of curious. I, I, I've never test-driven a Rolls Royce. I would, wouldn't that be fun just to go down and see if they'd let me drive one? I'm sure they probably wouldn't. But I looked at the starting price is 348500 That's That's base model. It probably goes up to about half a million dollars. Now, what if someone said to you, I, we want to give you a Rolls Royce? Now, even though you look humble here, you'd be first one in line. I'd just love to drive one, wouldn't you? But anyway, but what if the, the, the guy at the car lot says there's just a couple problems with the Rolls Royce? You can have the car, a couple problems, and that is the brake and the accelerator. Sometimes when you brake, it stops immediately. Sometimes when you hit the brake, it goes 10 feet and then stops. Sometimes it goes 100 feet and then stops. Sometimes you hit the brake, it doesn't stop at all. And the other problem is the accelerator. Sometimes you hit the accelerator, it goes immediately. Sometimes you hit the accelerator, it waits 30 seconds and then takes off. Sometimes it waits a minute and then takes off. Sometimes you hit the accelerator, it doesn't go at all. But besides that, it's an amazing car. How many of you would let your family member ride in this car? And I know what you guys are thinking. I'd change the brake and the accelerator. <laughs> no, it's got a mind of its own. Whether you change the brake, it still doesn't always work right. Now, if you truly had a car where it didn't always brake when you wanted to brake, didn't always accelerate when you wanted to accelerate, how many of you would get in this car? I hope nobody. This would be a crazy car. In the same way, let me, let me define in my my mind what grieving and quenching the spirit. I think we grieve the spirit of God when he says stop and we choose to keep going. When our spiritual break isn't always working. I think we quench the spirit when the spirit says go and we refuse to go. The Holy Spirit is riding in us. We all have a spiritual break, a spiritual accelerator, and again I believe we grieve the spirit when the Spirit says stop and we choose to keep going, how many of you tell your children not to do something, not because you want to take away their fun, because you know that if they do it, it'll hurt them? And whenever God tells you stop, He loves you, and there's a reason He wants you to stop. The reason God tells you to accelerate, how many of you have ever been on the phone with somebody, and maybe that person you're on the phone with is talking about somebody? How many of you have ever been on a conversation, the other person is criticizing someone else, and the Holy Spirit has told you, don't. Stop. Don't say it. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I'll say, well, I won't say everything, but I'm going to say a little. I'm going to go 10 feet, and then I'm going to stop. Sometimes I don't stop at all. I just say everything I want to say. I want to tell you, when, when the Holy Spirit says stop, we need to stop. When the Holy Spirit says accelerate, we need to accelerate. How many times have you gone through your day and you just felt led of the Lord? You're supposed to tell something to somebody. You're supposed to do something for somebody. God's telling you to accelerate, and sometimes we refuse. So walking in the Spirit is really just learning to stop when he says stop, learning to accelerate when he says to accelerate. So let's look at the, the examples. So again, just kind of go over with me. We grieve the Spirit when the Spirit says stop, and we choose to go. We quench the Spirit when the Holy Spirit says go, and we refuse to accelerate. All right, let's look at some scripture. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The New Living Translation says it this way, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So the Bible tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That means to sadden the Holy Spirit. You guys were mad at me when you saw Brenda crying because she was hurt. I just want you to know the Holy Spirit gets grieved when he tells us to stop and we keep going. That word by definition comes from a Greek word that means heaviness, sorrow, sadness. The same word is used in Mark 10 where it says, The rich young ruler went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I just want you to know the Holy Spirit in you has emotions. And he feels sad if you don't stop when he tells you to stop. All right, so again, I would define grieving as the Holy Spirit says stop, and we choose to keep going. How many of you have ever went further than the Holy Spirit want you to go? You know, there's something about human nature, if we're going to be honest, there's something about human nature that if you tell somebody not to do something, they want to do it. How many of you know that? I mean, there's something in us that's a little bit ornery, and if we're told not to, we just want to, we want to stretch it out across where we shouldn't go. All right, so that's grieving the Spirit. We quench the Spirit, again, when the Spirit tells us to accelerate, and we choose not to. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. And the Amplified Bible says there, do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. By definition, that word quench means to extinguish or to go out. It's used of that passage from Isaiah quoted in Matthew where it says a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Same word. So we can quench the Spirit if the Spirit is leading us to do something and we choose not to. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a service and after the service somebody said to me, I, I felt like I was supposed to go to somebody during the invitation. I, I felt like I was supposed to say something and I didn't. I want to tell you, if the Holy Spirit tells you to accelerate, you have to trust the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you to stop, you need to stop. All right, so learning to go and stop. So we quench the Spirit when the Holy Spirit says go, and we choose not to go. All right, and so how many of you like the duct tape on the Holy Spirit's mouth there? I put duct tape on the Holy Spirit's mouth, put some handcuffs there. You say, you know, that's quenching the Spirit. When the Spirit wants to say something or do something, and we refuse to let the Spirit flow through us, all right? Let me just give you a couple examples in the life of Jesus. You know, if you study the life of Jesus, literally from day one, he was filled with the Spirit. And literally, his life was just going where the Holy Spirit led him to go, not going where the Holy Spirit didn't lead him to go. And he was just walking in the Spirit throughout the Gospels. I'll just give you an example. In Mark 1, verses 37 and 38, if you remember, Jesus got up early, went out to a solitary place to pray. The disciples found him, and the disciples said to Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Everybody wants to see you. I mean, I mean, how many of you would love to get up and say, hey, all the town wants to see you? I would humbly say, take me to them. I mean, everybody wants to see Jesus. That's a good thing. But Jesus said, it's time to move on. How did he know it was time to move on? It would have been so easy to stay for the applause of men. But Jesus said, it's time to move on. He just came out of his prayer time. You know, it's amazing when you don't have to play to the audience out here. 
where all you have to do is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. When he tells you to stop, to stop. When he tells you to go, you go. And then in John chapter 11, when he found out that Lazarus had died. Now again, if I just heard somebody had died or getting ready to die, I'd make a beeline. But the Bible says he stayed two more days. Why would he stop when it seems like he should accelerate? Because I believe the Holy Spirit led him to wait for the glory of God. You know, when you begin to walk in the Spirit, it will take all the stress off of your life. Jesus was never running to get anywhere. He was never late. Most of the time, we're stressed out because we're doing everything in our own strength. But if you'll begin to walk in the Spirit, begin to stop when the Holy Spirit says stop, begin to accelerate when the Holy Spirit says accelerate. The book of Acts, same way. The book of Acts is really just the continuing ministry of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And the success in the book of Acts had nothing to do with their natural ability, but had everything to do with their willingness to walk in the Spirit. And so here in uh, Acts chapter 8, if you remember, a revival broke out in the city of Samaria. The whole town turned to the Lord. Wouldn't that be fun to be in a revival where the whole town turns to the Lord? And then God says to Philip something that didn't make sense. He said, I want you to head south toward the desert. I mean, revival's breaking out. I don't want to go toward the desert. I'm too valuable. Send one of the deacons. Send one of the other staff. God says to Philip, I want you to head to the desert. Didn't make sense, but he accelerated. He went down to the desert. When he got down there, he saw Ethiopian eunuch coming by, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to accelerate. I want you to go up to that chariot. And you know the story, how he got up to the chariot. He was reading from Isaiah. He didn't understand it. Philip led him to the Lord, baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. And I love how the Bible says that after he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, the Holy Spirit caught him away. You never know why God is leading you over here or over there. But if you'll trust the Holy Spirit to go when he says go, we may not know why he's sending us, but he knows. He has somebody there that needs to hear the message. So trust the Holy Spirit, all right? I love how uh, this is an unusual one in Acts 16 when the Holy Spirit put the brakes on Paul. I love how it says here, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. That doesn't make sense. They're gonna head to Asia to evangelize Asia and the Holy Spirit said no. The Holy Spirit wanted them to go to Europe. But he listened. He obeyed the Holy Spirit. Even though it didn't make sense, he followed. So really, the success of the early church has nothing to do with natural ability, but had everything to do with them being walking in the Spirit and trusting that when the Holy Spirit said stop, we stop. If the Holy Spirit says go, we go. Learning to walk in the Spirit. How many of you have ever seen a, a, a tag on a car that says, caution, student driver? How many of you give them plenty of room? Back up, because you don't know. They're learning. They're practicing. And whenever they're practicing, you want to kind of be at a distance, all right? Now, in the Christian life, we also need to practice. You say, where does it start learning to walk in the Spirit? I believe in Philippians here. I love what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says, and this is out of the NIV. I think on your notes I have amplified, but it should be NIV, this particular verse. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Begin to practice 
what I'm telling you. And I like how the Amplified Bible says it, by the way. The Amplified Bible says, the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life, and the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. So Paul says, begin to practice this presence of God. You say, where does it start walking in the Spirit? I think it starts on the back roads of your life when nobody's around, beginning to listen to the Holy Spirit, beginning to stop when he says stop, beginning to accelerate. I kind of look at it as driving a stick shift car. How many of you have some fun stories about learning to drive a stick shift car? Now, one of the things I've discovered about a stick shift car, and my first experience driving a stick shift car, I was 16 years old. I went with a friend of mine out to California to stay with his brother for a week. Now, how many of you know, first of all, two 16-year-olds going out to California is a little strange, all right? Anyway, we went out there first night with his brother. His brother had a Volkswagen Bug. Man, those are like a big goat cart to a 16-year-old. And his brother sat down with Tony and myself and said, do you guys know how to drive a stick shift? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And after his brother left, I said to Tony, you do know how to drive a stick. He said, I thought you did. I said, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And so the next day, his brother went to work and left us the keys to his Volkswagen Buck. If you've ever driven out in L.A., you think St. Louis is bad? L.A. has 10 lanes going each way. It's a, it's a nightmare out there. And so we're out in this Volkswagen bug. We're hoping to get to the highway. We pulled into a 7-Eleven, and so he was driving, and he pulled up, and he wasn't quite to the curb. And so he let out the clutch, and the car went up on, on the sidewalk. And there was somebody walking by, and they went up against the glass. We finally got to Disneyland. Somehow we part. I mean, it was d- 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 but we made it. We made it. When we got out of Disneyland, we come out, and this is the honest God truth, our car would not start. We were the last car off of that massive parking lot. And so I said, all we got to do is jump it, Tony. All we got to do is jump it. And I opened the hood. Somebody stole the engine. <laughs> Somebody stole the engine and the battery. No wonder it wouldn't start. The security guy came by because he wanted to go home and a couple knuckleheads out there. He said, guys, it's in the trunk. I said, who would put an engine in the trunk? They opened the trunk. By gosh, there was the engine and the battery. And so there was me and Tony and the security guy. We're pushing it across the parking lot. We're going to jumpstart it. I remember teaching Brenda how to drive a stick shift. It's always fun. And so we were out in Gerald. We had a little Ford, whatever the smallest Ford car is. We had four-speed. I don't know if it was a pen. I can't remember. It was a small Ford. But I took her out by Lost Valley. How many of you have ever been out at ZZ? Yeah. So I, I took her out there. I got halfway up. I put it in neutral, pulled the parking brake. I said, you get in. But there was nobody. There wasn't anybody coming. You guys are so brutal. Now, if there was one, I mean, but there was no cars coming. We could see way back. So we got out. She got in. I mean, that's where she learned to drive, going uphill 45 degrees in a little Ford Pinto out on the ZZ. And she got in, and, uh, 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 but she got all the way over without killing it. I am a great teacher. But anyway, <laughs> she survived. You guys got to have some funny stories. But, you know, after you drive for a while, by the way, you never learn to drive a stick shift in rush hour on 270. Never. Where do you start? 
Isn't it true we start in the back roads where nobody's around, and we start and we learn when nobody's around? Can I tell you the Christian life, many Christians wait to a crisis, and then they try to turn on God. But I believe if you'll learn to practice the presence of God in the side roads of your life, when nobody's around, begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. Begin to stop when he says stop. Begin to accelerate. If you'll learn in the back roads of your life, I will guarantee you this, when a crisis comes, it'll be easy to find God because you've been used to those back roads of your life. Learn to practice the presence of God. I love what uh, Paul says in Galatians here, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What a promise. He says if you'll learn to walk in the Spirit, if you'll learn to break when he says break, if you'll learn to accelerate, if you'll just learn to walk in the Spirit, you can conquer anything in the flesh. You know, most of the time we preachers preach against the flesh. And we could preach a thousand messages about the flesh, but I want to give you the positive. If you'll learn to walk in the Spirit, Paul says you will not struggle with the flesh. You can conquer anything in the flesh if you learn to walk in the Spirit. What a promise. Can I tell you, believe it or not, I have a lot of people over the years, they come to me for counseling, which isn't always the best move. But no matter what they're struggling with, no matter what they're struggling with in the flesh, I already know how I'm going to answer them. I have one answer for everybody. So if you want to be a good counselor, write this down. If they're coming to you saying something they're struggling with in the flesh, the answer is always the same. If you can teach them to walk in the Spirit, if you can teach them to walk in the Spirit, they will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How important it is to tell our young people how to walk in the Spirit because we can't be with our young people everywhere. But if we can teach them to walk in the Spirit, to go when the Spirit says go, to stop when the Spirit says stop, our young people can face anything life throws at them. I'm doing you the biggest favor by talking to you about walking in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. John 7 we're almost at the last slide. Everybody, praise God. So John 7, where we ended last week, Jesus said on that great day of the feast, at the Feast of Tabernacles, on the last day, I believe it was when they were doing the water pouring ceremony, thanking God for the water, praying for future water, that Jesus just got full of the Spirit. He stood up because he knew God was giving them living water one day in the Holy Spirit. And so he stood up and said, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me. It's every Christian. It's his will for every Christian to allow the Spirit on the inside to flow down through the soul, out through the earth suit. Everywhere you go, the river of life should be spilling out. I love this. I want you to see this. This is God's will for every one of us. He who believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's God's will for his spirit to come through the soul, out the earth suit, and to minister life everywhere we go. As the Amplified Bible says, from our innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. God wants us to make a difference everywhere we go. It's not about trying harder. It's not about performing better. But it's about surrendering to the Holy Spirit and having him flow from the inside out. The Christian life is not lived from the outside in, but from the inside out.
came across another song uh, by Casting Crowns. I, I'm, I love songs. And so last week I listened, but this one's called The Well by Casting Crowns. It was written in 2011. All right, I just want to give you part of the words. But it says, it's, it's like God is speaking to us. He says, I have what you need, but you keep on searching. I've done all the work, but you keep on working. When you're running on empty and you can't find the remedy, just come to the well. You can spend your whole life chasing what's missing, but that empty inside, it just ain't going to listen. When nothing can satisfy and the world leaves you high and dry, just come to the well. All who thirst will thirst no more. All who search will find what their souls long for. The world will try, but it can never fill. So leave it all behind and come to the well. I just want to remind you that everything you've ever been looking for in life, for peace and purpose, you already have in the Holy Spirit. If we can discover that unlimited possibility living inside of us, if we can begin to walk in the Spirit on the back roads of our life, I just want to tell you, you can conquer anything you face in life. Let's pray together. Maybe you're here today and maybe for the very first time in your life, maybe you're like that picture of Kai that you don't know that you've ever truly asked Jesus into your life. Maybe that sin has separated you from God, but you feel a tug in your heart today. And today, you want to ask God to forgive you and to realize that Jesus died for you. And if you'll ask God to forgive you and to come into your life, I believe he will honor that. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right where you are, you can just invite God into your life, and I believe he will honor that. If you're here this morning as a Christian, would you just surrender to walk in the Spirit? Would you make a commitment to not grieve or quench the Spirit of God? That in the back roads of your life, when nobody's around and nobody's watching and nobody's listening, that you'll begin to listen to that voice and begin to stop when the Holy Spirit says stop, or you'll begin to accelerate when the Holy Spirit says to accelerate. Will you begin to practice the presence of God on the back roads of your life. Let's stand together as they play softly. If you're here today and maybe you pray to invite Christ into your life, we want to invite you to come and just share that. Maybe you're visiting and this is where the Lord is leading you to plug in and become a member. We invite you to come. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love to do that. So let's take a moment. Will you build an altar right where you are? And would you just ask God to allow that river of life to spill out of your soul and out of your earth suit this week? As they play softly, I just want you to respond. If you need to come or if you need to go to somebody, otherwise, just right where you are, just to give your life fresh and new to God. Love you guys. I'm looking forward to hearing some stories this week. So if you guys can share some stories on the way out. Again, there's a wooden box back there. If you want to give an offering for the Kibbins, uh, we appreciate you being here. Love you guys. Let's pray, and then we're going to close with a song. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here today. And Lord, I pray that we would discover that artesian well on the inside, that river of living water. And God, I pray that we would just submit to you and just allow that river to flow through everything we say, all that we do. That, Father, we would break when you say break. We would accelerate when you say accelerate. That, God, we would not grieve or quench your spirit. Fill us, empower us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.